0: you're listening to 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of KUCI or the University of California Irvine.
1: there you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. I'm here every Monday at 9 on KUCI 88.9 FM. I pick a lot of interesting guests from different things uh, I read in the paper. I'm always reading different articles, different magazines and things. And my husband came across a very interesting article called Looking for a Change, Make a U-Turn he you know put this across my desk he said you gotta check this out and uh, I looked at this this woman and her name is Dr. Nancy Irwin and I'm so excited to have her on the show this morning I want to tell you a little bit about her she's originally from Atlanta where she trained as an opera singer Dr. Nancy Irwin moved to New York City in 1985 to pursue a career as a stand-up comedian she worked all over the country and abroad and moved to LA in 1994 when she heard that Hollywood needed more blondes. Dr. Nancy experienced a U-turn when she began volunteering at a shelter for sexually abused teens. This woke up the healer in her and prompted her to earn a doctorate in psychology specializing in the prevention and healing of child sexual abuse. She now treats victims as well as abusers, for it is her belief that the best way to help victims is to help the perpetrators. Dr. Nancy is a private practice in L.A., she co-leads group therapy sessions for sex offenders and is also a busy public speaker. A media expert, she extensively is quoted in newspapers and magazines and frequently appears on radio and TV shows. She is also a diplomat in the American Academy of Experts in Traumatic Stress, a member of the Southern California Society of Clinical hypnosis, and sits on the Education Committee of the California Coalition on Sexual Offending. So it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Dr. Nancy Irwin.
2: Hi, Nancy. Good morning. How are you? I'm excellent.
1: I love your bio. That's pretty funny that Hollywood needed more blondes. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So I don't know if you you heard my intro, but yeah, I look at a lot of different things in the paper and Always interested in finding interesting guests for my show. And I came across your article. My husband said, you should read this uh, because you're recently featured at the Women's Sage Reinvent Yourself group. Uh-huh. Uh, what was that all about?
2: A journalist at the OC Register interviewed mm-hmm. me for, you know what, I can't even remember what the issue was now, something about parenting, I suppose. Okay. And then she said, you know what, I started this nonprofit group, Women's Sage. She said, you'd be great to speak there. Nice. So she set that up. Uh, so that's how that, you know, we, we came come. to meet, <laughs> you
1: and me. And I and I love um, your, your book title, U-Turn, Changing Direction at Midlife. <sighs>
2: Yeah, because you do the churn. You make the change.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me about that book.
2: Well, it came about because I was age 44 when I decided to make a change in my life. I had an epiphany. I was um, a fairly successful stand-up comic. I certainly wasn't a household name, but I was making a living, uh, which is sort of a minor miracle, I suppose. <laughs> I was FMC at the Melrose Improv here in Hollywood working with the likes of, you know, nobody you ever heard of, Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano. Oh, come on. (laughs) And having a good time. But when you're a comic, you only work about 30 minutes a day. So I was bored, had a lot of time on my hands, and I started volunteering at a uh, shelter in my community for sexually abused teenagers. I absolutely fell in love with it. That waked up the healer in me. And actually allowed me to start healing from my own adolescent abuse. And over the course of a few weeks or months, you know, I do the clubs at night, the kids by day. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me, you know what? <sighs> this is real life. Sure. I had been so narcissistic. Because when you're a comic, you are your product. Right. So everything was about me. How's my hair? Who's in the crowd to see me and get me a TV <laughs> deal? And, you know, I just, it was all about me. And here were kids pardon my language, but getting knocked up by their pimps. They were hooked on drugs. They were suicidal. And I'm like, this is real life. I can make a difference. And it just, the scale tipped. And that prompted me to go back to school and earn my doctorate in psychology and specialize in the field of sexual abuse recovery and prevention
1: look at that unbelievable
2: yeah and i just didn't regret it at all leaving comedy it was a very natural um letting go it was like a a great party and i knew it was time to leave and that's what i always tell people when it's your time to leave it won't hurt
1: right right what's interesting and i can relate to this is that if you could turn the clocks back, you probably would still have done the comedy because it's added oh, wow. to who you are today and layered you as a person.
2: Absolutely. And I always tell people, you know, everything is a transferable skill. My uh, stage skills, if you will, my humor, all of that serves me. I do a lot of media um, expert witness, and I do a lot of work with the media interviews and on television, radio, etc., and I love that. And that's because I learned to think so fast in my feet in comedy, and I use my humor even in the clinic, you know, when it's appropriate, of course. But those are skills that absolutely serve you no matter where you go.
1: Absolutely. I really agree. And you know, I'm also a firm believer that uh, it's never too late to try something you've always wanted to try. And, God, yeah. you know, you might look at somebody and go, you know, I always wanted to learn improv or learn comedy. Yeah. And I found myself in a situation, uh, I was emceeing event, I use my improv skills. It, you know, you have to think on your feet, you just got to yeah. be, you know, you might See a cute little kid walk by, and you're right in the middle of something Go, you know, wow, th- I love your shoes. And, you know, you just kind of <laughs> blurt that out, and that's what makes it natural and real and funny, and you're not trying to be, but just real.
2: Absolutely. That loosens you up, and so many careers uh, require some degree of public speaking. Right. You know, I, I do a lot of clinical hypnosis, a lot of therapeutic hypnosis, and one of the main things people come in for is to work on the fear of public speaking. Oh, Interesting. You know, that report came out a number of years ago now, but it said the greatest fear people have, they did a poll, and it was fear of public speaking. Before death, more people are afraid of speaking in public than they are of dying. Absolutely. I I, I agree. Yeah, that serves a lot of people. And comedy, whether you're going to do anything with it or not, try it. Right. Go to an open mic night. What do you have to lose? And if you could ask
1: people, you know, I always think, why are you so afraid of this public speaking? Well, you don't want to look stupid. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to I don't want to look stupid
2: But here's the thing We're only born with two innate fears Every baby is born with two fears And then we've had these since the beginning of our caveman ancestors And that's the fear of falling And the fear of loud noises Interesting. All the other fears are learned, including fear of public speaking and fear of midlife crisis, (laughs) (laughs) fear of making a change in career, fear of auditions, interviews, all of that stuff was learned. Mm -hmm. And whatever we've learned, we can unlearn.
1: That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. I took a workshop this past weekend. Uh, I'm a voiceover actress. I love this class. And... It was with Elaine Craig, of Elaine Craig Casting, and uh, she said, remember this, you're all capable of greatness. Yes. And you have to say that to yourself.
2: It's true. You have to, because we
1: forget that.
2: We're all born, I mean, certainly some of us are born with greater IQ power, more talent, more athletic prowess. Of course, it's an unequal world there. However, we all are born with the same amount of personal power and the choice to be the best we can be, be with what we've got. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there, there's a Martin Luther King in all of us. He's yes. a Gandhi in all of us. Yes. And I'm not bringing down or demeaning their talents or gifts at all. Right. I'm just saying they would be the first to say that is available to everyone. It's a choice. It's just they didn't get shut down. And Lord knows people tried to.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: But they didn't. They didn't give up.
1: Also, in life, I find that you have the power to let negativity impact you or to not. So, you know, if somebody says something hurtful, you have the power to either, you know, ignore it or to really take it in and believe that you are that person that they're telling you, negative or not. Yeah. So you have to make that choice. Go ahead.
2: And sadly, you know, kids who are pure hypnotic material they're pure subconscious until a certain age do believe everything yes. and whatever said to them you know god forbid they have parents who demean them criticize them or make them think they think they're a victim of their gender or their color or the side of the tracks they were raised on those kids that gets deeply imprinted in that cement of the subconscious mind yes. and that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy This is the work we work to undo in the clinic, of course, but that's, you know, what happens to people. Absolutely. So tell me about your book. You Turned. Well, again, I was 44 when I left comedy and went back to school to earn my doctorate, and so many people around me were saying, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing that (laughs) Um, at your age. You know, I could never do that. And I'm like, well, then you don't have to. (laughs) Right. This is me. They're like, how old are you going to be when you complete it? And I'm like, well, same age as if I don't.
1: 104.
2: Exactly. (laughs) I was 48, 49 when I uh, finished my doctorate and opened my private practice. That's great. (laughs) Most of us boomers are going to live to be 100 years old, so i still got like 50 years to practice. Awesome. So I was kind of, I guess, almost insulted that people thought, oh, uh, that I was some sort of freak of nature. And I'm like, you know, if I can do it, anyone can. That's right. It takes time, energy, and money, and focus. Right. But you know, what's to, other than that, what's to stop me? Absolutely. So I started collecting stories of other people who made change, that made major changes in their life in middle age. And you wouldn't believe the stories that started coming through. I just put out the words, started looking in newspapers, magazines, for, for things like this. And so every story in the book has a story behind it of how I found them. Uh, I divided them into two parts. Mm-hmm. There's those who change by default meaning there was they got laid off or fired or they got dumped and divorced, or they were stricken, sadly, with a disease or some sort of illness, and so they had to make a change. Mm -hmm. Other changes were like mine. They were changed by choice. I was just bored or something happened to come up in my life that, you know, really turned me on to it, so I made my change by choice. Either way, they can still be incredibly empowering stories. That's great. So a woman, one of the most powerful stories in the book, and they range from simple to dramatic because some people's changes are very simple. There was a, um, a guy who was a handyman, and he was tired of working for the man in corporate America, so he just went out on his own and started his own business and infinitely happier. Nice. There was a, uh, a board secretary who went, back, uh, went to get her real estate license, and she's now a very successful real estate broker, even in this economy. Mm, that's uh, incredible. Some of the other dramatic ones were, um, well, a woman who was a housewife and mother of three discovered she was a lesbian. So that's a powerful personal change, of sure. course, and ha- deliriously happy now. That's great. Uh, another story, a woman, this one is rather sad in the way it started, but She was a a suburban housewife of eight children. Sadly, one committed suicide in college. Mm. She'd had a severe mental disorder, so it wasn't a complete surprise, but of course tragic nonetheless. Well, the the mother and her husband went to the girls' dorm to clean out all her stuff, and they discovered she'd been donating money to an orphanage in India. And she was just kind of flummoxed. I mean, the money was okay. That didn't concern. She was like, why was my daughter attracted to orphans in India? Right. So something compelled her to fly to India and check out this orphanage, and what a U-turn it made for her. She now, cut to the chase, has an organization, a foundation, where she funds mainstreaming of children of the leprosy affected.
1: Oh, my goodness
2: like Look me, she thought leprosy went out with the Bible. I thought it was an ancient disease, but it's still alive and kicking, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. And so, about that. Yeah, they go blind, they lose their limbs, Ugh. and then they can't care for their children. So there was a whole pocket of, you know, millions of children who are left to fend from themselves living on the street. So she erected schools and uh, job training programs for the parents, the, the ones who are the leprosy affected. We're actually not supposed to call them lepers now. That's Equivalent of the N word. Oh. Yeah, interesting, huh? Interesting. So the leprosy effect is such a stigma and it's really like a slur. So the leprosy affected. So that was an incredibly dramatic story.
1: Interesting. By the way, for those just tuning in, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and we're joined with Dr. Nancy Irwin. Now, the theme of my show, because it is Get the Funk Out, what suggestions would you share for people that are in a funk? I mean, how is it possible these people. Who have made these u-turns were able to do that
2: well first of all when people are in a funk take that as a good sign that means there's a signpost saying something's missing there's mm-hmm. something else for you that of course is going to be terribly exciting when you move past any fear or anxiety or any of the social stigma that well, what is the matter you shouldn't be in a funk you have yeah. everything to live for well you're in a funk for some reason there's something missing There's something waiting to be expressed inside of you, and when you take the time to go within and discover what that is, it's magical. Sure. Absolutely freeing, and it's worth any of the pain you're going through now. So bless the funk. Embrace (laughs) the funk. (laughs) Embrace the funk. (laughs) Instead of get the funk out of here, it's like get the funk in here. Mm -hmm. You go within and begin to discover what it is you want to express.
1: It's kind of like you have to go through that funk, that funky period, to find a- yourself.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing with depression. People think, "Oh, it's so horrible, shameful to be depressed." It means something is not working in your life. Right. Again, it's a signpost with neon letters mm-hmm. saying, "Attend to this, change this, fix this." Just like a light in your car that tells you to get a tune-up or change the oil or whatever it is. If you ignore that, what's going to happen?
1: I know. And no it kidding. get worse. Yes. yes. Well, your
2: psyche's the same way. So, anytime you're experiencing a negative sensation, depression, a funk, anxiety, take that as a clue to look at that sign. Go to an expert,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like a car mechanic. Yes. Go to a therapist, a spiritual advisor, or just within yourself. Start meditating, giving yourself some time, free of pressure, because it took me a couple of years actually to find the right school, to make sure I was really doing the right thing. It was a process. Yeah. And then I started in school. So give yourself some time. It is a big deal. And you want to take care of it very carefully, just like a baby. You know,
1: I tell a story about how I had this roommate one time. I was living in Boston, and she was an attorney, and she was miserable. She just did it because that's what she was told by her parents she should do, and she went to law school, and she hated it. And she decided to quit her job and she bought a place, a little shack in Vermont, and started writing romance novels. Oh, wow. And she failed miserably. She gained a ton of weight. She was extremely happy. (laughs) But she couldn't make it doing these romance novels. And then she got depressed. And I said to her, you know, that's okay. You're still finding your way. I mean, you just because you failed at this one thing doesn't mean you're not going to find your way doing something else. I mean, that's, it's a journey.
2: Exactly. That's a great story, and I hope she's found her way now. What yes. happens sometimes is like loosening the lid on a jar. You have to do one motion before the next is free. Right. Maybe there was something she needed to release through writing the romance novels, just discovering in her. Uh, hopefully she didn't give up, That there's no. some other layer underneath that that can be born. Right. So those skills can serve her. I mean, it sounds crazy, but there may be a way she can use her legal skills with her love of romance writing and come up with something else completely that doesn't even exist yet that's right that's right so i tell people if they're feeling lost and they don't know what they want to do they just don't like where they are is like your friend there Mm -hmm. just make a list of all the things that you love to do doesn't matter if it may lead to a big career or not writing romance novels making guacamole, mm-hmm. playing with dogs, whatever it is, nothing is too small or insignificant because careers can be built out of virtually nothing. That's true. Somebody That's did true. It with pet rocks a while back, remember? <laughs>
1: I, I can't <laughs> believe that. I was <laughs> trying to explain that to my daughter. She's like, they had rocks as pets? Yeah. Come on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'd make a list of all the things you love to do, all the things you're good at, they mm-hmm. may be congruent. They may not be. might be some things you're good at, but you just don't like doing, like the woman who's an attorney. Yes. And then write down all the things you've ever done. Let those lists just kind of baste for a few days, and then revisit them and start connecting the dots and begin to see if you combine this with that, what sort of mosaic you can weave for yourself. Mm-hmm. You might be surprised what you come up with.
1: Somebody I know, and I have to interject this, created this diagram of her life from when she was younger, you know, where she went to school and college, and this happened and that, and then I had a kid, and then I started this online series, and then I became a fashion designer, and then I was on this hit TV show. And this diagram of life nice. is, is really interesting. I think we should all do it, because it makes you realize, you know, it's okay that things haven't gone in this what you know one path kind of straight line linear
2: direction exactly
1: and it's makes it very interesting the one thing I would have to say that has helped me when I've been in funks especially when I was younger was to to, uh, take classes and do things that I always wanted to do I think I'd mentioned this offline I love pottery and I was I was going through a tough time so I would throw clay at the wheel, and, you know, I'd make things, and it was actually very cathartic, and then I would talk to other people in the room, and,
2: you know, that led to nothing, but it,
1: it kind of helped me at, during that time.
2: Absolutely. You know? Those things, it's getting your greases, your, your, your wheels greased in your brain when you do something that's kind of mindless, even though it is creative and expressive. Right. That can loosen up other things inside of you, so never, ever discount that. Yes, and that's another thing you want to do in addition to making the lists that I recommend. You want to, first of all, take care of your health.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you're going through something, you're going within, and you're trying to make a change, of course, our health is our foundation for life. Without that, nothing else really matters. Sure. So take care of your health. Embark on, if you're not already on, a fitness regimen. Mm-hmm. Eat healthy. Monitor your alcohol, caffeine intake, all those things. Get out in nature. Bond with either children or animals or nature, something that is natural. It's a very real part of all of us, and we've tended as a culture to get away from that. I know. We're so technologically (laughs) oriented. So get in touch with something in nature, your spiritual path if you have one. Take care of those things and and, and make sure you have a strong, positive support system around you, people that are very positive and encouraging rather than the naysayers. You're too old. You can't do that. What are your chances? You want to stay away from those people because that energy will only, you know, increase your fear. Yes. And you're in the process of overcoming that fear.
1: So true. And make you doubt yourself.
2: Yeah. And then journal. Explore. Play with those lists. Read empowering books. Look at people that you admire, whose life you would like yours to be like, even if it's a different profession. Begin looking around, finding your own models to aspire to. And then very important, go within. Meditate. Mm -hmm. I always say, if you don't go within, you might go without. It's so true. Begin listening to your inner voice. It may take a few weeks, months, years to be able to really listen to what you want inside because... Again, from the moment we're born, we're all pretty much hypnotized by societal messages. And so that's the beauty of going within. You're forced to turn down the den of the world and listen to that small, quiet voice within you, which is never, ever wrong. Mm, like Unless that. it's the critical negative voice. If you hear, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, then that's the critical voice that has been imprinted upon you. You want to let that pass. It will. It's like tumbleweeds. It's going to begin rolling on down the road. (laughs) It may take a while to clear that all out. But your inner voice, what your purpose is, is always, always positive, loving, and generally very, very simple.
1: Mm -hmm. And I also say uh, surround yourself with people that are not toxic, that are supportive of you no matter what you want to do.
2: Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to judge them because we've all got family members that are like that. Yes. And you know what? Their intention is probably good. They want to spare you from failure, embarrassment, et cetera, or they're projecting their own fear. Yes. So, But you want to just, you know, be sort of neutral, and, mm-hmm, and that's your truth. My experience is a little different. Right. And then go on your own path anyway.
1: So true. So true. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about your book. We're going to break in a few minutes, but... Um, your book, U-Turn, Changing Direction of Midlife, did that book just come out?
2: 2008. Oh,
1: it's been out a while. I didn't realize Yeah. Think. Okay. You've been basically featuring that book. Where Where have you talked about it? Everywhere, right? CNBC and different shows, Anderson Cooper maybe?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Lots of shows, a lot of radio shows uh, in print with the New York Times. Beautiful. A- yeah, it's fun. That's a whole other career itself, just, you know, <laughs> advertising your book, which is fun. I enjoy it tremendously.
1: What has been the take on the book? Have you found that people have been contacting you saying, wow, Nancy, you really have helped me so much. I mean, you really struck a chord here.
2: Oh, thank you. I do get emails from people. I've got a website, com, and I encourage people to send their stories, because um, hopefully at some point we'll be able to write a sequel. Nice. And it's probably going to be a collection of over 50 stories of people over 50 who made amazing <laughs> changes, because the first one is a collection of uh, over 40 stories of people over 40. Nice. So now we're going to age it a little bit, because uh, in some of the stories, there was a woman who was 69 years old who went to law school. Really? Yes.
1: Look at that.
2: actually made history because she had a disability she uh, was um, hearing impaired and the school she went to would not accommodate her what yeah unbelievable isn't it i'm not even gonna say which state it's It's in uh, (laughs) so she made a big stink and cut to the chase she had she brought the law in and she sued them and now they have to honor uh, anyone with that that disability to allow them to sit in the front of the room good good for her so she made history at the law school before she even was an attorney.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look at <laughs> Amazing. that. Amazing! Look at that.
2: Yeah, multiple U-turns.
1: So tell me, why do people, why do you think they resist this change to U-turn?
2: Because they've been trained to believe that it's impossible, it's too late. Society, sadly, puts out that message. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're 18, you should decide what you want to be when you grow up. Go to college, major in that get that job, and then retire at 65 with a gold watch. Yeah. Well, those sure. are gone. That's old-school thinking. And mm-hmm. while that can work for some people, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. A lot of people at age 5 know they want to be a doctor. They go to med school, and they have a long, illustrious career, and that's great. But that's only one path to happiness. There are plenty of paths to happiness. Yes. Look, I was an opera singer first. That was my background. I was
1: going to ask you about that. Could you talk about that?
2: <laughs> I grew up in Atlanta, which you can probably hear, Yes. and oh my God, I love opera. I wanted to be Joan Sutherland, one of the greatest teachers in the world who just passed away. I wanted to be the next Joan Sutherland. I got a bachelor's and a master's degree in opera performance, and I am a good singer, but I'm not great. It wasn't, the voice wasn't big enough for big time opera, mm-hmm. and I didn't just want to teach... And I discovered along the way there were other things I enjoyed about being on stage besides just singing opera. I had a natural flair for comedy um, and things like that. So then I changed my shingle to, Mm -hmm. guess what, stand-up comedian, an actress. And I did that for about 10 years until, as you've already heard, I had Mm -hmm. my epiphany and got turned on to uh, becoming a therapist Mm -hmm. and and working in the field of sexual abuse recovery.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah, I think I'm in this for life, but you see, that also was a transferable skill because I work with a lot of creative artists, so I understand, you know, from a musical background and a performance background, I'm easily able to work with all of these creative artists in Hollywood.
1: Yes. Isn't it interesting how, as I mentioned earlier, all these things just add to who you are, and you you think opera and stand-up comedy what was i thinking but you know (laughs) but but it makes total sense all these different things and you know and you can you also have the power to make somebody feel comfortable when you're talking to them
2: yes and that i encourage people to again if you want to just try stand-up comedy or pottery or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're going to make a lifelong career out of it that's because right. people look at me and say, well, you're going to waste all of your time and dollars going to get a master's degree. What are your chances? Well, <laughs> education is to broaden you, to enrich you, to deepen you. It's not necessarily a direct line to a career. That's right. It can be, but indirectly it has, it has served me tremendously. Yes. So never say no to your impulse to study something because you have no idea how it can add to that that pastiche of who you are, and it will come in handy somewhere, somehow.
1: That's so true. I have a a doctorate, and I got it very young. I, I I was 28, and I started taking classes when I was 25, and I went through summers. But my point is, when I graduated, the day of graduation, I could hear, Yay, Mom! Or... Way to go, dad. And you know, here I was so young, and I wasn't going on this direct path of going to be a professor at a university. I call it mental boot camp. Mm. Because I needed something at that time. I wasn't very happy. I didn't like where my career was going. And it really helped me as a person. And I would have to say the, the biggest skill I got out of that was research. Mm. Being able to talk to people, because I did a lot of qualitative research. And, wow. and that was the best thing. That I got out of it. Plus, you know, you're really working incredibly hard and writing and, yeah. Wow, and that
2: can serve you in a million other ways. Yes. That's a huge cornerstone to have. Yes, yes. Wow, Uh, that's amazing. So what was your doctorate in?
1: In uh, media and technology from Boston University.
2: Tremendous. So many ways that can lead you to other things. Indeed, it has.
1: Well, it's funny. When I was in Boston and I was single and I was dating – it was interesting. Some, so I'd meet different people, and some men would say, Ugh, what, what, is, what kind of field is that? Or, you know, people would be so weird, you know, because I, I guess I was young. And when I met my husband, he said, wow, congratulations. You know, like he was very understanding and supportive. And it was a huge difference than anybody I'd ever met. You know? He got you. Yeah. It was very interesting. Yes.
2: Tremendous. Yes. Yeah. So it, there will be people who don't get what you're doing, right? and they'll be naysayers, and they'll make fun of you. But again, as long as it comes from your voice within and you're true, just let them have their judgment and move on. But it doesn't have to affect you. It doesn't have to stop you.
1: That's right. That's right. We're going to take a quick break, Nancy. And everyone, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm joined by Dr. Nancy Irwin, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Hang tight, Nancy.
2: All righty. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org.
1: As a parent, you can't help but look at your child and wonder what the future holds. You may dream about the possibility of your son or daughter becoming a professional athlete or a renowned heart surgeon. But while you're dreaming, consider this. The odds that your child will be diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166. Knowing the signs of autism and catching it early could make a world of difference to your child and to you. To learn the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
0: Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore it will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing, don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking, get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the US Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation and the Ad Council.
2: Wow, yeah, since the storm, it's been crazy busy for us. We got all kinds of office desks coming in. Now here's a it's a fancy one right here. It's missing a leg, but that's all right, whatever. Washers and dryers
0: from a laundromat. Oh wow, check this out, another deep fryer.
2: And I'm not sure what this doohickey is. Yeah, most businesses weren't ready for a storm like that, you know, but our work's really piling up here at Roberts and Son Salvage.
1: Hey, hey, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and we are joined again with Dr. Nancy Irwin. Hi, Nancy. Hey, I'm here. I'm here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is a
1: great way to start a Monday.
2: I know, a great way to start the week with positive energy.
1: Absolutely. I think we're always doubting ourselves and wondering, okay, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this sudden change in my career, trying this new thing? People think I'm nuts, but, you know, go for it.
2: And you just mentioned a word that I think should be a four-letter word, and that's should. Right. As the late, great psychologist Dr. Albert Ellis said, you're shoulding all over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you hear, I should not this or I should be that, where's the power? It's out there. It's someone else's dictates to you. I shouldn't do this. Why? Right. Because these people say so. You want to say, you want to cross out, you know, the the flash mark, whenever you hear yourself think, I should be blah, 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 cross that out and say, I prefer to, Mm. or I choose to, blank, blank, blank. I like that. Much more empowering because that comes from within you. And that's where powerful people operate from. If we listen to the voices of others, we'd be dead or stopped. We'd never get out of bed (laughs) at the time. And that's where all the doubt comes from. It's either a teacher or a parent or somebody put us down and made us think we were less than so true and it's a lifelong process of constantly um, but it gets easier of course of battling those voices because we're all going to have negative anxious doubting thoughts till the day we die because we're human mm-hmm. we're not robots however, you do have an amazing awareness awareness to be able to manage those negative thoughts rather than letting them run your show. Wow, That's where personal power comes from.
1: Yes. Let me ask you something. Is there really a so-called midlife crisis in your 40s?
2: I'm glad you asked that question because that's another four-letter word, crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Who says it has to be critical? Yes, it is a time of looking around because the middle point of any process Is a time when you review, you see how far you've come, how far you had to go, look at the middle of the year, the middle of the afternoon. It's natural to pause in midlife when you see your parents passing away, your children growing up, to begin fully aware of the big picture of things. This doesn't have to be scary or negative or horrible. Mm -hmm. It's a wake-up call saying, okay, you want to keep going in this direction or you want to make some changes? Interesting. Yeah. Just looking at the word crisis, midlife crisis, is just such a horrible way. How about calling it a midlife awakening? I like that. Sure. Yeah, when you say the word critical, it means something must be changed. It doesn't mean it's a horrible thing.
1: Right. Oh, I highly agree because you can be making a midlife change in a positive way.
2: Of course. You know. And who says change has to be hard and and scary, I say it can be very fun and creative.
1: Absolutely. You hear these stories of um, men in their 40s, 50s getting their Harley Davidson they always dreamed of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, sometimes women do that. I've had thoughts of, you know, maybe I'll get that, you know, cool, motorized scooter. (laughs) Or
2: turn into a cougar and get a 24-year-old lover to prove. And generally that comes from a fear of aging.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And what you can do is begin to accept that aging is natural and start embracing, okay, I must be afraid of death. Let me start exploring what are my beliefs about death. Then you can sort of embrace the aging process. I'm not saying it's all fun. There certainly are some negative things, yet it is natural. So why not just find a way to accept it and click into your wisdom? That's the gift that comes in middle age over everything else.
1: Right. 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 You know, it's interesting living. I'm from the East Coast, but living here in California, you know, everything is looks. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of the times they're looks and um and and being in the voiceover industry, I remember going to a um big acting seminar in LA at a convention center, and I was sitting in this workshop where a casting director was analyzing people's headshots and he was so mean. He yeah. was saying Uh, he'd say, you know, so-and-so, stand up. And he'd say, wow, you look a lot older in this picture than you do in real life. You probably want to think about changing your wardrobe and really harsh stuff. And then afterwards, I was talking to this woman and she said, "Uh, you know what? It doesn't matter if you have, you show your crow's feet. She said, that's your, um, I forget how she put it, but it was like, that's the sign of wisdom. And that's, you should cherish those lines because those are uh, signs that you're growing and all the great things you've been through
2: absolutely i'd love to see i mean i have no shame about sharing my age i'm 56 and i feel like i'm the best i can be i take care of myself and i wish more people especially women especially in this town would start being proud of their age instead of ashamed of it and hiding it like it's a horrible thing right first of all you can't help it and as they say there's only one other alternative So why not be proud of it? And so we can turn around this ageism and start being proud of it.
1: So true. No, we're afraid to look old. We're afraid of, you know, aging and lines and wrinkles and all that other stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, sometimes it really, like you said, it shows character. Mm -hmm. And I think the more um, that is not hidden and the more it is positively reinforced, We're going to get used to it. Just like in the fashion industry, when a new trend comes out, it looks horrible at first. Right. And then within a few months, you're out there buying it. (laughs) So it's the familiarity because it's been positively reinforced. That's right. Why can't we do the same thing with older faces in the media?
1: I know. Wouldn't that be nice?
2: Yes. Why not?
1: I'm not a big fan of Botox and... um I just, I don't know, I just don't believe in putting botulism in my body, per- pers- pers- you know, my personal opinion.
2: Me either. I think <clears> at some point they're going to find out that might not be the best thing, because it's not nice to fool Mother Nature.
1: Yeah, I can agree. I can yeah. agree.
2: Taking things out, sure, but putting things in, uh, not so much.
1: I know. <laughs> I
2: know. Well, but, you they know, look frozen. It's just fake. It's like so robotic and Stepford wife looking to me.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, I had this incredible guest on my show. She was featured on uh, the Yahoo homepage, Cindy Joseph. She's a Ford model, and she was saying how she started going gray really young, and she said, you know, I decided not to fight it. She's gorgeous. And she was walking down the street, and her her last patch of dark hair was just about covered by all this gray, and, and she uh, cut off the patch of dark hair, and she walked down, Fifth Avenue, and um, she was stopped by somebody. She thought it was a joke, and the woman said, "I'm I'm from uh, the Ford Modeling Agency, and you're stunning." And she says, "Come on, who put you up to this?" <laughs> oh. And uh, she, full head of beautiful silver hair, and uh, she's the happiest she's ever been.
2: Beautiful, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So beauty comes in many, many shapes and sizes and colors and and yeah presentations.
1: Yes, absolutely. How do you think we can help our partners, our loved ones, when they're going through this so-called crisis?
2: By being positive and encouraging, because if you dissuade them, either they're gonna stop and there's gonna be something missing and resentment will build, which acts as a cancer to any relationship.
0: Mm.
2: The only way that, I mean, first of all, if you wanna make a change and your partner's not being supportive, if they're putting you down or being critical, you might want to look at if that relationship is really serving you.
1: Interesting. Yes.
2: I mean, I'm not saying dump them right away, right. but maybe go through a process and ask them to be supportive and let them know that this is your heart, your soul, your purpose, and, and you need them to be in your corner and supportive. And if they really can't be, then yeah, maybe that relationship, maybe you've outgrown it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the U-turn that needs to be made.
1: How does this whole thing affect kids?
2: Well, first of all, when it's done um, with support, when the U-turner is inviting the kids to support them and help them out, Mm -hmm. I think it can be a profoundly brilliant lesson for kids to get. First of all, it gives them the freedom to explore different avenues and know that nothing is closed off forever. Right. That when they're older, they can make a change too. So it's training them to be flexible open, supportive, encouraging, and adventurous.
1: I was going to say, take chances, try something you might not thought, you know. Yeah. yeah.
2: What better lesson to give your kids than the freedom to make a change?
1: You know, a lot of times I'll have my kids, I have a recording studio at home, and I'll have them go into the closet area and close the door, put the headphones on, and I have them do commercials. Nice. And it is adorable. I have some since they were little, and it's great seeing how they have this great ear for it and they know you know not every mommy does this Nice. it's cute
2: (laughs) they're very proud of you
1: they are and then I support them and I I just it's a different thing for them you know it's and I tell them this is a creative outlet and they they love it
2: of course you know what freedom that's giving them
1: it's great it's great now I have a couple other questions what are some of the negative consequences of people that are going through this
2: Well, the negative consequences, really the only way it doesn't turn out well is if someone gives up, if they give in to the negativity around them or they feel like they don't have enough money or this or that and they stop. And while money, of course, right now in this economic climate, of course, is a a reality, I encourage people to find a way to make it happen anyway. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways, especially if you are female or a person of color, there is money available the state. Oh. So you want to start looking for grants. That can always be um, a resource. Also, there's a wonderful free resource that a lot of people have never heard of, and it's called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. Um, I can't remember all the initials, but it's an okay. organization of retired executives, which is the O-R-E in it, okay. and they're just what it is. There are people throughout a myriad of industries who are retired, and their way of giving back is to give free counsel, whether it's over email, over the phone, or you meet at Starbucks. And they advise you. They've seen every trend through their years of experience. And they can advise you where to go for, for free money or a better business plan or how you can enhance your marketing skills or what needs to be tweaked about your business plan. It's an invaluable resource. Yes, SCORE. So just Google it. They're all over the nation.
1: That's fantastic. It seems like we could really help people put them on the right track.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And people might want to join a support group so that they can work through their fears. Join a group therapy session or go see a spiritual leader if you can't afford therapy or go to a therapist if you can and begin working through those fears so that you're able to, as Susan Jeffers says, feel the fear and do it anyway. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because if you wait for the fear to go away, you may be dead.
1: So embrace the fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And what I always tell people, there's a good fear and a bad fear. When you have a good scary sense, that's the, look, it's very scary when you have your first baby, right? Sure. But it's a good one. Right. It's very scary when you sign your first mortgage. But that's a good one. It's very scary the first day of college, the first date with somebody. When you walk down the aisle to say, I do, Mm -hmm. these can hopefully be very good, scary things because they're beautiful extensions of yourself and expressions of who you are. So there's a good, scary. Bad, scary is when you're afraid to walk down the street, you know, at midnight, you know. That's different. But when it's a good, scary, embrace that. And look at the big picture and the purpose of why you're doing it.
1: But being scared helps you grow too. When you put yourself in situations where you're nervous about something, and then you learn how to overcome that. Absolutely. You know, we're all we're all have our phobias. I, I was talking to somebody. I was mentioning I was in this voiceover class, and I was saying. Have you ever seen uh, the speed skater, Ono? I forget read his whole name. You know who I'm talking about, the speed skater? He was in the Olympics years a couple of years back.
2: No, I don't know who that ono. is. Ono. Fascinating, though. Um
1: But he would, you'd see him yawning before he was going to compete. He'd be yawning, putting his arms up. I do the same thing. I get kind of worked up and a little nervous, and so I find that if I take some deep breaths and kind of you know, let out that stress, all of a sudden I'm ready to go.
2: Here's what happens when people are on the brink of performing, whether they're going to a job interview, a date they're nervous about, just like what you mentioned and what mm-hmm. the skater was going to. I, I work with a lot of athletes. What happens in those peak experiences is you go into sort of a hypnotic trance. You're going into the fight-flight mode, which is our most primitive instinct. Caveman ancestors, if they heard a the saber tooth tiger growling around the outside of the cave, would either fight that beast. Or flee it. They'd run to the back of the cave so they weren't eating for dinner. Mm-hmm. You fight it or you flee it. This is a natural instinct, and we go into it with any peak experience. Childbirth, you know, going yes. on stage to perform, an Olympic event. It's a very natural state. You want to learn to use it for your power rather than your detriment. Right. Because when you go into the fight-flight mode, you're hyper-alert. Yes. You're hyper-anxious. And you're hyper-suggestible, which means you are open to the suggestions of those around you. If you're around negative people saying, oh, my God, you're going to lose. He's a better athlete than you. Mm -hmm. Or you're never going to make it. Then that is a suggestion. And when you're in this powerful state, you can take that suggestion and that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy and you will fail.
1: That's so true. By the so, way, it was Apollo Ono. Apollo Ono. You've oh, probably
2: what a great name. You've probably seen him or look him up,
1: sure. but he would always yawn. And I just saw something uh on Friday about this Australian um sprinter. She did this cool little sexy dance right before she was going to compete. You know, and even baseball players, they do that all the hand signals and they touch this and that and you know when uh-huh. you watch baseball, So it's okay to have a little thing going on if that's what's going to get you up and ramped up to go.
2: Absolutely. You want to use that state, again, for your power, not your detriment.
1: Yeah, I love that.
2: You know, if somebody is unfortunately in an accident and they're laid out on the side of the road, when the paramedics come, that person is in fight flight. Do you think the paramedics, and of course they're trained this way, do you think for one second they would say to the victim, oh, my God, she's bleeding out, you're probably going to (laughs) die? I think not. (laughs) They would take that suggestion and die. Right. They say things like, I'm Bob, I'm here to help you, you're doing great. You're going to
1: be okay. Yeah. And that's
2: a positive suggestion. You want to start talking to your same way in all of these events you have in your life, especially when you're making a a change.
1: Right. That's so true. That's so true.
2: Any last uh, tidbits you want
1: to leave with with us? Is there any kind of mantra that you tell people they should...
2: Yeah, when you're considering change, even if you're considering, oh, I I don't like change, and that's fine. But just remember, change is inevitable. Mm. You can either accept it or effect it.
1: Very nice. Now, where can people find out more information about you?
2: Well, my therapy site is drnancyirwin.com. That's just D-R-N-A-N-C-Y-I-R-W-I-N.com. And my book's website is makeauturn.com. And U-Turn is Y-O-U, and then it's dash turn dot com. If you don't put the dash in there, it's going to take you to some used tire store in New Jersey.
1: (laughs) And we don't really want that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nancy, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show.
2: Oh, my pleasure, too. I want to see everybody live a life that they love, and they can do it.
1: Absolutely. You know, I just want to tell you that when my grandmother turned, I think it was 80, we refinished her old bike, and she got on it and rode down the street.
2: Oh, what a woman. <laughs>
1: and she always wanted to do it. She's like, I, I wanted to ride my bike, you know, and we did it. And we thought, how cool, Grandma. You go, Good girl.
2: You go, Granny.
1: <laughs> All right. You have a great day.
2: Thanks, Janine. You Thanks too. so much.
1: You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. That was my guest, Dr. Nancy Irwin. And up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody.
0: You're listening to... Catch <laughs> hi 88.9 FM. Irvine. 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 Friend us on Facebook at FM and Twitter at FM. KUCI. Talk, music, and more.